0: Welcome to Invested in Climate. Protecting the planet and decarbonizing the global economy is the challenge of our time. Never before have so many people rallied around a common cause. We all have a role to play, and the opportunity we face is unprecedented. Invested in Climate aims to help people do more to address climate change through their work, investments, learning, lifestyle, and activism. I'm your host, Jason Rissman. I co-lead a climate venturing practice at the design firm IDEO, supporting early stage climate founders and organizations. I'm also an investor and startup advisor, and I've realized that when it comes to climate action, I'll be a lifelong learner looking for the best ways to have a climate positive impact. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you found us. Follow us on social, subscribe, and spread the word. Find episodes, sign up for updates, get in touch, and visualize your climate action at InvestedInClimate.com. Thanks for joining.
1: A lot of people are interested in renewable energy, but solar is confusing AF. When you start looking at your electricity bill and start to try to figure out what you should do, there's just a thousand questions like, how much does it cost? Is it worth it? Like, what is a kilowatt? What is a kilowatt hour? What does this mean? What are the incentives? And we think all of those questions are just a huge burden. So the point of Wildgrid is to make it a one-stop shop where you can just get all the information you need to actually take action.
0: Switching your home energy source to renewables is one of the most impactful ways to reduce your carbon footprint. And yet going solar is confusing and many people feel it's prohibitively expensive. Enter Wildgrid Solar, a startup working to make solar accessible to more people. I sat down with Wildgrid's co-founders, Crystal Persad and Perinda Darden, and learned a lot about how easy and affordable solar actually can be. Full disclosure, I'm a big fan of Wildgrid's fresh approach and effort to engage younger consumers, and I actually made a small investment in Wildgrid through an angelist syndicate, which is an easy way to invest in startups and something I'll cover in an upcoming episode. If you don't yet power your home with solar, I hope you'll give this episode a listen and consider making the switch. Here we go. Crystal and Perindo, welcome to Invested in Climate.
2: Hello. Hi.
0: Great to have you here. Where do I have you both located today?
1: I'm in Brooklyn.
0: And I'm in DC. Fantastic. Wow. Co-founders building a company together, but virtually remotely. How's that going?
1: Pretty good, honestly. When we first started the company, we decided we wanted it to be remote. And obviously, COVID was happening and still making it work.
2: It's great. As like a software engineer, I mean, I'm just on my computer all day anyway, so nothing really changed for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so glad to have you here on the show today. You are co-founders of a company called Wild Grid Solar, As you know, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. Let's start by understanding what it is. Crystal, can you explain what is Wild Grid Solar and what is the problem you're aiming to solve?
1: Wildgrid Grid is a solar marketplace where anyone can go on and find the best solar solution for them. Um, what we do is we match people with the best local solar providers that are pre-vetted so that they don't have to do that research and that work to figure out how they can switch to renewable energy. We like to joke that a lot of people are interested in renewable energy, but solar is confusing AF. When you start looking at your electricity bill and start to try to figure out what you should do, there's just a thousand questions like, how much does it cost? is it worth it? Like, what is a kilowatt? What is a kilowatt hour? What does this mean? What are the incentives? And we think all of those questions are just a huge burden. So the point of Wildgrid is to make it a one-stop shop where you can just get all the information you need to actually take action.
0: Let's dig into this deeper. Why does this matter? What's the impact individuals can have by switching to solar?
1: We're obviously biased, but we think that switching to renewable energy is the most impactful change you can have. And I, I think part of why Prune and I started Wild Grid is just looking at this ticking clock of, you know, we have like seven-ish years to actually control the, you know, slow down the, the rising temperature of the planet. And when you look at the biggest emitters, fossil fuel production and energy production is one of the biggest ones. So just being able to reduce your emissions on that level and switch to renewable energy where you're not actually powering everything by burning fossil fuels and putting all of those gases into the air is huge. But it's a huge commitment, again, in research and, and sometimes finances. And while we're just trying to be that first step of unblocking that like burden and friction so that it makes it ridiculously easy for you to be like, "Hmm, solar. Oh, let me just plug in my information and see what's possible."
0: Awesome. Prinda, you are Crystal's co-founder and you're the CTO. Help us get into the nuts and bolts of this a bit more. If I'm interested in getting solar, what will WildGrid enable me to do? How does it work?
2: As a consumer, you basically create a free profile on our marketplace, and we basically just walk you through the steps and the questions that we need to match you to your local provider so if you're like a homeowner we'll basically just match you to a like pre-vetted rooftop installers in your area and we focus on small to mid-size like local companies because when you are putting such like making such a large investment in your property you want like their customer support team to be just a phone call away and if you're a renter, we basically match you with community solar farms that are in your area. And you basically just an- like create a profile, answer questions that take less than seven minutes.
1: And then we should mention that whenever we tell this story... I always laugh because like Perrin and I have like been through this before. I've worked as a solar salesperson, like selling people on rooftop solar. And it's super sketchy, honestly. Like, I feel like no one wants to say that. It's super <laughs> sketchy. The way I was trained and like the information that we give homeowners, it's pretty predatory, to be honest, on the sales side where like, Jason, if I was like telling you, you should buy this specific equipment and like it's $20,000 and you didn't know what the equipment is, you'd be like okay, like, I I guess, I guess that's what I need. But there's just so much, there's so much education that I think has to happen where it's not like you're, it's not the same as like buying a car where you like understand, you know, the different amenities that you're getting. You know, people don't know what inverter, what battery, what, you know, what panels they, they actually need. And then prinda has been on the other side of this.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was basically just like being spam for two to three weeks straight by Solo salespeople and they were kind of I mean, like the sales tactic is pretty aggressive and like antiquated, to be honest. So my wife and I was were fortunate enough to buy a home in Queens, like right before the pandemic happened. So I saw it as a chance to actually install solar on the rooftop. And I basically went into like the rabbit hole of like trying to get as much information about installing rooftop um solar as as much as I can and found basically like a lead gen website that Zillow recommended. And I trusted Zillow, so I input my information on that lead gen website. And I they basically sold my um contact info to I don't know how many oh, no. solar companies, but like a ton, like more than 10. And I was just like getting unknown um caller number, like calling me almost every day, two to two, three weeks straight, they were leaving me voicemails. Also, like, they were texting me, asking me about the condition of my rooftop, which I'm like, I haven't been up there in, like, forever. <laughs> like, And it's also really hard to get up there. Um, and also, like, the the surrounding environment of, like, my house, talking about the trees around me. And I'm just like, you're asking me without context. Like, also, who are you? Why are you asking me all these questions? And that's when I, like reached out to Crystal to be like, do you actually know a company that you trust that I can actually talk to? I mean, needless to say, I basically didn't answer any of those like unsolicited calls and text
0: messages. This is the origin story for Wild Grid. It was because of that frustrating yeah. experience that your conversation with Crystal turned into the beginning of your company.
2: Yeah, I mean, I basically had an easier time finding general contractors to do home improvement projects than trying to get quotes for
0: solar. Wow. And so I'm guessing that Wildgrid doesn't turn your clients onto a bunch of spammers and create the same sort of process. Uh, How is it different? And really, what's the benefit of going through Wildgrid rather than just Googling solar installation and picking whoever comes up?
1: The benefit of going through Wildcard is A, you don't get spammed. And I think unfortunately, because the solar industry, even though, you know, it's new in the scheme of the world, right? It's only really been around for the past like 20-ish years. Like Pernas said, the sales tactics are really antiquated and aggressive. And a lot of solar companies don't have like marketing departments where they put together these sophisticated campaigns. They just buy your information and call you all the time. Like, like those spam calls you get for like car loans or like credit cards like that that's what it's like and it's really sales driven so you don't get spammed and it's sort of like i joke that it's sort of like are you familiar with bumble like the dating app where like the the female um makes the first move. It's like the customer makes the first move. Like they're interested in solar. They put in their information. Like Perinda described, you then get a list of suggestions and like recommendations of like the best companies for you. And then you can contact them first and you control how you communicate with them. And you don't feel like you're just selling your information and then going to get spammed because that type of experience is such a turnoff. And I think it's coloring the industry in a really bad way.
2: Yeah, I like to tell people that Grid is basically a like your personal shopper or like a personal stylist for going renewable or going solar.
0: It sounded like you also faced an educational need for understanding what technology do you need, what type of inverter, what size panels. Is that something that Wildgrid also helps with?
1: Yeah, we we act as like a third, like a neutral third party where, you know, every solar company has their own incentive and like products that they're pushing where you don't really know what you actually need because they're they're telling you what you need and including it in a quote. So by giving us your information, we can we can be that third party to be like, hey, this is actually what you need. Here are companies that provide that versus you having to get, you know, three to five separate quotes with all of these different terms that you don't understand. We're like telling you what makes sense for you. And then we are building out blog content and, and a lot of information, just teaching people what the standards are so that they don't feel like they're getting scammed and they understand what's going on.
0: So there's a valuable service that you're providing as a solar customer. Do I pay more by going through Wildgrid rather than directly going through a solar vendor?
1: No, you don't. The solar partners, we work with the solar partners on like a a commission basis. So the price tag that the solar customer pays will always be the same.
0: Fantastic. So your mission is every person on the planet deserves affordable access to renewable energy. Powerful idea, but quite challenging in practice. In the US, let's take the case of people who don't own their own home, but rather rent. How is Wildgrid Solar helping renters go solar?
2: As a renter that signs up through Wildgrid, we match you with uh, community solar farms. So they're basically an off-site solar development that works with your utility. And what you do is you basically subscribe to participate in the farm, and you can actually save from like 5 to 15% on your monthly electric bill. Parinda,
0: you're a software engineer and the CTO so I'm curious how is Wildgrid using technology to offer something unique? What really is technology enabling you to do that's really different?
2: I think my role as a CTO is basically like building a platform that is user-friendly. I feel like user experience is everything, especially when you're trying to switch to solar, which is like such a complicated problem to do or like even confusing for Ventors and homeowners, I feel like all I care about is just the user experience, providing like the best possible experience for someone who's trying to switch as possible. Great. And Crystal,
0: you're a designer. As you know, I work at IDEO, and so I'm very interested in and a big believer in the role of design and addressing the climate crisis. How has your design background been helpful for your role at, with WildGrid?
1: It has been a journey, honestly. Sometimes I just think about it. How did I get here? Like designing basically like a software, like a really user-friendly software solution for solar. So I, the first leg of my career, well, I guess to take a step back, um, I am technically a trained industrial designer. So like designing like three-dimensional interactive products. Um, I went to Georgia Tech. My first sort of leg in the startup world was I was director of product at Little Bits, this interactive Toy company designing basically electronic lego like pieces where kids could build robots and like stem toys and things like that and that's really where i got really into
2: electronics Fun.
1: and would like nerd out on on building electronic enabled stuff that's awesome and it actually was when i was at little bits designing these experiences for kids where i just started to realize like so much energy and thought and like design details go into these products like toys, like from, you know, the moment the kid opens the box and then gets the instructions and then opens this and put puts the first piece together. And I was like, wow, like we spent months like obsessing over getting this like one toy experience to be so great. But like this type of detail and attention doesn't happen in fields where it actually needs it. Like, and I think in college, I was always so interested in sustainability and did a number of sustainability projects that were more conceptual, like never made it to market, but then was starting to get more and more frustrated. I think around like 2018 of just like, you know, seeing what's happening in the world and seeing all the alarms sort of be set off in in the news of like, wow, we really need to focus on climate. And that's when I realized like, wow, like what if I took some of this design detail and like put it towards something that would Would make a bigger difference and actually go towards, I think about that seven year number, like a hundred times a day, just being like, oh God, like seven years is really fast. Like how can I maximize what I'm actually doing to help that came from designing toys and like trying to create really fun, really fun things. Probably towards the end of my time at Little Bits, I had designed a build-your-own remote-controlled R2-D2 toy, which I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I'll ever make. I worked with Lucasfilm. Like, now I'm going to switch. Like, I, I got to do something else. And I actually started a whole company before Wild Grid called Group Hug Solar, where I designed these little 10-watt solar panels designed to hang in your window.
0: I think that they were called the most adorable solar panel around.
1: Yes, yes. We called them like the cutest solar panels you like didn't know you needed. But similar to what Perinda was saying, that whole company started because I was a renter like in New York. I wanted to switch to renewable energy and just had no idea what I was doing. And as like a tech focused, like savvy person, I was like, I can't figure this out. Like, I don't know how to go solar. Literally that confusion caused me to start a whole other company, like before figuring, before even figuring out like what my options were. So I got really into solar. Like we made and manufactured these solar panels for your windows. Um, I was on truck tank. I got an investment from Mark Cuban, just like, escalated very quickly and got really deep in solar tech. And then it was at that point that I got a little deeper into it and started selling rooftop solar and then was like, oh no, like this process is so sketchy. Now I get why more people are are not interested. Now I kind of get why more people aren't interested in this. Like I wouldn't buy what I'm selling. But I think all to say from the lens of how can we use design to make something as delightful and frictionless as possible whether it's a toy or whether it's getting a solar panel in someone's window, I do think that that experience makes makes a huge difference. And at the end of the day, I think design is so much about um, emotions and like how can you make someone feel good about doing something, whether it's a first step or whether it's education, because that emotion sticks with them.
0: Absolutely. Let's turn to who your customers are, Crystal. When you were first introducing Wild Grid at the beginning of this this podcast, you said that solar is confusing AF, uh, and that's also a big headline on your website. <gasps> if you're a listener and you don't know what AF means, we'll let you Google it. <laughs> but it's clear that you're bringing an edge, a playfulness, freshness yeah. to this space that's really rare. So, who are you trying to reach, and how's it going?
1: We are specifically trying to reach a younger demographic for solar. So like millennials who are actually the largest home buying population right now, Gen Zs who are, you know, might be renting apartments, might be buying homes too. I think Parinda and I are are both millennials. So we definitely, it's weird to be like the older demographic now. I don't know if you ever feel like that, Perinda. Now we're like old timers.
2: I feel like that all the time because my wife is in law school right now, her first year of law school, and all of her friends are in their early twenties and I'm just I like, know. Yeah. I'm learning so much Lingo.
1: We are specifically trying to appeal to that demographic. I think we joke that a lot of people and people in our demographic think solar is kind of for bro- for boomers, honestly. Like you have a house and you have like 20 grand extra hanging out in your bank account and like that's how you can go solar, which is completely untrue, completely untrue. But that's sort of the stigma around it. So we are trying to activate these younger generations to take steps to going solar now, and we do see it as as sort of a ladder, right? You don't have to start with rooftop solar. You don't have to own a home. It that doesn't have to be a gate for you. You can start off with community solar. And then as you look into home ownership, if that's for you, go into rooftop or ground mountain solar. So having people see it as options that they ladder up to. You don't have to wait to do it. And honestly. As I said, I think about that seven-year number all the time. We can't wait. Literally don't wait five years to go solar. Like, Figure out a way to do it now because we urgently need people to do that.
2: Yeah, we need to get working on electrifying everything.
1: And it's really not that hard. There are so many salespeople trying to convert you. There are people who want to do it. We're just trying to be that layer in between to be like, just, just do it make it easy to do it.
0: Well, I know that when it comes to any sort of changes to one's home, especially ones that involve contractors and installers, word of mouth, it can be incredibly helpful. Uh, and for companies in the past, like SolarCity, now Tesla and, and Sunrun, getting customers to talk to their neighbors absolutely played a role in their success. They just have the built-in trust of not just the process, but also who's going to be stepping onto their roof or ringing their doorbell. Is that something that you're thinking about? Are there any unique ways that you're fostering a community of switched-on solar advocates?
1: Community is a huge part of Wild Grid, and I think the way that we're tackling it right now is really working with community-based organizations. I think part of our approach that's really different from Tesla and Sunrun is that we're purposefully sort of staying in these small pockets of communities and, and growing in more of a grassroots way. So instead of national retail partnerships like Home Depot that like Sunrun and, and Tesla has done, instead of this huge sort of like blanket branding We sort of refer to Sunrun and Tesla as like big box solar, if you will, where they have a huge presence, but like not the best customer service, not necessarily the best prices and not the best products, to be honest, like they, they don't have the best solar panels. And there's a lot of this, this could also be a whole other, this could be a whole other podcast, but there's, there's actually like whole solar companies that exist to repair Tesla installations, which is like, I find kind of hilarious because when you think of solar, you think of Tesla, but They repeatedly like don't do the best job on installations if you read reviews. So anyway, so we really think the right approach to hitting people and getting them to to convert more to solar is being very, very localized, which is why we want to lift up these small to medium local solar installations where there are over 10,000 solar companies in the country you just never heard of them. Um, and a lot of them are these family-owned businesses that work in your neighborhood. So part of our mission is to really lift these people up. And then part of that is partnering with local organizations. Like We just did a partnership with a local coffee shop in Brooklyn to like help their customers learn about solar. So that same sort of word of mouth where you're hearing about solar at these cafes, coffee shops, stores that you trust and, and frequent. And they're helping their customers go solar. So, but yeah, trying to be very grassroots about it and, and target specific, very specific locations and letting them know that we're local. Like we're at your local coffee shop. We're connecting you with local, I'm in Brooklyn, Brooklyn installers. We're not going to try to sell you on, you know, this installer that, you know, wouldn't be able to drive to your house in an hour if something went wrong, which is the type of service that you
0: want. Really, your model is built on partnerships, uh, including partnerships with solar installers. If there are any solar providers listening to this, what should they know about Wildgrid? Why should they partner with you and how do they do it?
1: Wildgrid is built on partnerships with installers. And I think part of why we love our partners and and why they love us is that, A, we are reaching this younger demographic that they're not really set up or built to reach. So we are specifically looking to connect with Gen Zs and Millennials and helping them go into solar, which historically solar has really been targeted at people, you know, more in their 50s and above like this For lack of a better word, boomer demographic that has owned a home for many years, has a lot of extra income, and sees solar as maybe a luxury on top of sort of everything they have. We're doing something a little different. So I think for solar companies that don't have a strategy to reach these younger demographics, don't want to make uh, videos and education online to try to convert them. That's what we're doing and that's what we're good at and care about. And then I I think on the other side, they know that we're working locally. So we're not going to be, you know, putting them on the platform and then undercutting them by sending everyone to Sunrun. Like we're specifically trying to lift up these local partners and like helping them get their name out there. So I I think like the missions really align with these these small to medium installers.
2: And we're also not sending one customer, 10 different companies that they have to compete with. We're only setting them a select view and then the customer choose who to talk to. So you're not like competing to make your code as low as possible.
0: Parinda, before you use the phrase, we need to electrify everything,
2: we know there's a need not
0: only to switch to renewable energy, but also to electrify everything. This means... Replacing gas appliances with ones that are plugged into a solar-powered grid. Does Wild Grid have a role to play in the broader home retrofits and efficiency space?
2: Crystal and I have been talking about this a lot: that our marketplace, like we want to be known for renewable energy and home efficiency marketplace. Um, but right now we're just starting with solar because that's what we know best. But in the future, like we want to to be the place that people come to when they think of replacing their HVAC system, looking for like electric appliances to go solar or even like window ceilings or like looking into geothermal for their home. So like that's like our long term goal. Yeah. So I would say in the future, Group could be playing a lot.
1: What excites us too is that because we're building this like tech enabled platform where we can recommend people things, we're not like tied to any specific technology. So like who knows what is going to be coming out in five years that will be a new addition to homes. And we can sort of easily fold that into the mix where, you know, we're not tied to a specific type of hardware, which I think is where like the software aspect of the business is exciting. That excites me is like, you know, When I think like different colored, different colored and different shaped solar panels and solar shingles and solar flowers and like, oh, there's a lot of new things that are going to come up and we can like easily partner with these companies working on these cool new technologies and like fold them into the marketplace so more people can access them. I was actually at like an Earth Day event the other week talking to someone and this woman um, she was very frustrated, which I think it was like a great, I haven't even told you about this yet. It was like a great conversation because she was very frustrated. She was like, I don't understand why they don't make solar umbrellas. And I was like, they do, they're out there, but she, she didn't know where to find them. You know? And she's like, well, what if I wanted like a solar awning? They should. And it's always like, they like who, I don't know who they is, but like, they should make them. And I was like, they do, they, they do make those, but you've never heard of them because you're not in the solar space. And it's like that I feel like that's the issue, right? People are looking for these things and they just don't, if they're not at the store they shop at all the time or they don't want to do the research, they're never going to know about them.
2: I feel like it's not very well advertised too, the different type of installation that your local solar company can do.
1: There's so many different ways to go solar. There's so many, but if you like close your eyes and think of solar, you just see it on a roof, which is not the only way.
0: Good to know. I have a final question, but before we go there, is there anything that I should have asked or anything else that's new and
2: happening with Wildgrid that
1: you wanted to talk about? Ooh, we do have some new exciting things, right, Prinda?
2: Yeah. We just released like a new and improved onboarding flow for renters, homeowners, and also property managers who wants to check out solar. I've been like working on making the whole process, the whole sign up process and matching process to your local providers, super seamless. So I'm super excited for more people to try out the new flow and get connected to their solar providers and go solar.
0: Great. Where can folks find it?
2: They can sign up right now on
0: wildgridsolar.com. Fantastic. Well, I hope people do take that next step. Seems like at the very least, a a great way to learn about solar and figure out when and how to make that switch for yourself and, and the people that you're living with. I'd like to end now with the question that I've been asking all of our guests, and it's really broadening the aperture and thinking just more broadly around the impact that people can have. This podcast, Invested in Climate, aims to help people do more to address climate change through their work, investments, learning, lifestyle, and activism. We've talked a lot about a big lifestyle change that people can make. And I'm curious, in those other categories of work, learning, investments, and activism, what do you see as the most impactful opportunities that listeners who care about climate change can learn about and, and get started with?
1: The category that jumps out at me the most, which I think because Per and I are the most passionate about it, is just the activism piece. And I think, you know, with activism and with trying to make change happen in your community, in your life, it's usually a combination of like personal action and legislation, unfortunately. We can't control everything. Like there's a limit to how much you can do in your in your personal life, unfortunately, because so much is happening around you. So, what excites me about working on Wild Grid is not only can you take this personal action of switching your energy, but the more you learn about solar and energy, the more you can get plugged into what's actually happening in the legislation in different states and honestly, I think what excites me is even just saying the word renewable energy legislation is so boring, right? Like it just doesn't sound exciting at all. And I think there's a huge opportunity to get people interested in that because at the end of the day, so much of that impact we're going to have is on this broader level of making sure there are incentives and programs happening like nationwide. There needs to be a lot more happening in the activism piece. And I think every person is going to have to take a personal action. And get involved in the legislation, whether that's awareness or like knowing how to vote for your values and things like that.
2: I totally agree. And I was also going to say, get involved in your local politics, vote in your local representatives who believe in science and climate change. There are so many policies out there that are so complex, but most of them like, I guess like the, the local legislatures and policies are Going to be super important in electrifying your local grid system. Um, So basically, just like voting people who believe in science and climate change in.
1: Brennan and I obviously live and breathe like solar and energy, but. You would think that it's like a win-win for everyone, right? Like energy gets cheaper, there's less emissions, but there's always entities and bodies fighting against it. And there are, there's are, there been a number of solar taxes pop up in the last year in a number of states trying to make it more difficult to go solar. And the average person doesn't know that, I would guess. So just those local elections are really important because if you vote for what you want, like in theory, your representatives have an incentive to also vote the way that their constituency wants. And if you're not voting and if you don't know what's up for debate, then that's where everything breaks down. So just be active and be involved.
0: Well, we've got our next steps. We will check out wildgridsolar.com. Yes. Uh, we will vote and we will get involved locally. Crystal, Perinda, thank you so much for this really exciting conversation and, and best of luck with Wildgrid.
1: Thanks, Jason.
0: Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Invested in Climate. Please remember to rate us on Apple, Spotify, or Google. Find show notes, sign up for updates, get in touch, and visualize your climate action at investedinclimate.com. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute financial, accounting, or legal advice. Thanks again.